I'm Abby Lee, and welcome to A Single Conversation, Single Thread Theatre's podcast dedicated to all things immersive. Here at Single Thread Theatre, we like to think that some of the best experiences are the immersive experiences, which is why Single Thread Theatre puts on plays in non-traditional theatre spaces in order to completely immerse the audience and captivate them within the world of the play. Whether you're a rookie or an expert of the immersive experience, keep listening because we're going to be talking with some other companies that provide immersive experiences in order to talk about the awesomeness and, we think, the importance of immersive adventures. Any enthusiasts of the classic stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and any escape room enthusiasts as well will be quite excited to hear that today I am in the presence of Matt Rothwell from Sherlock's Escapes in downtown Kingston. Thank you so much for sitting here and having this conversation with me. Uh, To start off, if somebody came up to you and knew nothing about Sherlock's Escapes whatsoever, what would you tell them about Sherlock's Escapes? Yeah, of course. Uh, So I would say... First and foremost, you know, have you done an escape room kind of thing before? Most people have heard about them, not necessarily everybody's done them. The big thing that I would say to folks is that we're looking at providing people with an hour of entertainment. And unlike your conventional sit down in a movie or uh, sit down with friends and play a board game, you're going to be fully engaged the entire time. Your brain's turned on, your senses are aware, you're trying to grab all the information that's around you to better your own experience. So really, the more that you're involved, the better time that you end up having. That is a great way of putting it, and that's what's so exciting about escape rooms, is that you really do get to be immersed in many of the senses, if not all of the senses, depending on which room that you're doing. For those who don't know this, um, Sherlock's Escapes is a relatively new business. Online I saw that I've been going since 2017, is that the correct year? Actually, we opened our doors in 2016. Okay. Um, we had one room going for the first little while, and so okay. it's been a bit of a slow build. Yeah. Uh, we've now got three rooms, and here we've got an ongoing case, the fact that Sherlock Holmes has gone missing. Mm-hmm. And in his absence, we need to go out and find him, solve some cases, and each case, each, as a matter of fact, leads on to the next one. So we have one big, long story. Mm-hmm. So you can leave us, go off, do your things at home, come back a month later and help us solve the next story of the case. Yes, and I, I love that so much because this is the first one that I'd ever experienced that had that, and that kind of makes the experience continue to live on even after you've gone home, which is quite cool. This actually ties in pretty well to the next question that I have. So at Single Thread, a lot of our theater pieces are based in history, so based in past events. And similarly with all of of the renewed excitement of the Sherlock Holmes stories, it seems that those have really withstood the test of time. So why do you think that people continue to be drawn to the stories of Sherlock Holmes? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle really did create something that that spoke to us. We are interested in the man who is able to figure out something from nothing. But when you put all the pieces together, you realize, ah, it's not so brilliant after all. He's just really aware. Uh, Well, at the same time, we're really drawn to the idea of the Watson who we all feel like we bumble through at times, uh, but our heart's in the right place. Mm -hmm. We want to associate with him. He's created a couple of characters that are really easy for us to associate with. And so I feel like... Um, these stories are being revisited time and again because they just attract to us as human beings. You've definitely hit the nail on the head. I mean, myself as a 
Sherlock Holmes fan, although I think a newer one than some of the diehard fans definitely identified with all of the stories and it's always comforting to have the idea that you know there is somebody out there who if we can't solve this problem that we have, there's somebody out there who can. And then it's exciting with the escape rooms to be able to try to get to that level and feel like, yeah, you're at the level of this classic character from the stories. For sure. I think I think we all like the idea of being clever. <laughs> and I think that's a large part of the reason why escape rooms have taken off so much recently, is that it gives you the chance to be that clever person, discover the, the answer to the problem kind of thing. Um, and so to then match that with Mr. Holmes and elevating yourself to the level of the greatest detective of all time, consulting detective, I think that really attracts to a lot of people. I have several friends who also do escape rooms and when they solve it, like, of course everybody is excited to just do an escape room, but when you talk to people and they've solved it, their excitement goes way up because it's not just, you know, I, I did this escape room and I, I tried it and I, it was really interesting. It's like, no, I cracked the code and that's just like a whole other level of excitement. I think, I think you bring up a good point there. Um, and I think that's one part that I didn't realize until I got into the business. My first couple times I did escape rooms, I had a lot of fun, did it with my friends and we'd go out back to somebody's house afterwards or whatever and we'd be talking about it for an hour or whatever afterwards. Like, oh, and remember when you know, Jim got that lock open with that crazy combo. Like, what was he thinking? But he was right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it until I started hosting escape rooms that that's pretty universal for everybody. Most people think, oh yeah, let's, you know, go for an hour of entertainment. I don't think it stops there. I think the conversation continues afterwards and you keep sort of reliving the cool moments. That's, that's so true. Actually, when I was um, talking with uh, Jim from The Haunted Walk, he brought up a very similar point where it seems, particularly because of the design of the escape rooms that are enclosed, you do only do it with the one group. It feels like you're the only group that's gone through that experience, and so that's something that you kind of feel bound by because even though everybody, or not everybody, but a lot of people have done escape rooms, you know, nobody did that particular one on that day with that group of people, and so it becomes this shared experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's your. It, it's very true. It's a different experience for everybody. I've found, and after watching, you know, a hundred, two hundred different people go through the same case, I'm still baffled by the different ways that people approach some of the problems, or the different ways in which people do the various problems throughout the room. Even though they may be linear, they still manage to do them differently. When I originally create an escape room, I've got the plan in my mind, and I've got exactly how everybody's doing everything. And the first five groups that go through show me how small and narrow point of view that I've got and how many different ways of coming at a problem there are um, and how many different ways of seeing something and then interpreting it people will find. And so we adapt and we refine and we mm -hmm. try to arrange it so that it's more and more focused as to what people are going to see when they see what we want them to. Um, and yet... 20, 40, 60, 100 times down the track, people are still looking at things. And every once in a while, I especially find it with the youth, you know, sort of 12 and under, 
they'll look at something and their brain will go somewhere completely different. Yeah. No, that that's so interesting. I'm sure you also learn a lot about people by watching people do escape rooms. That's really cool. As a psychology student or psychology graduate, that's always super interesting to me. Kind of talked about this, but escape rooms as a whole, it's a fairly new industry. Why do you think in this particular era people are really drawn to escape rooms as opposed to say like 20 years prior? Another challenging question, <laughs> right? Um, and I've got a few of my own uh, ideas as to why, but I think I think what it really comes down to, and I'm really glad that you're sort of approaching the entire idea of immersive experiences, is that we like immersive experiences. We like genuine experiences, um, or the perception, the feeling of genuine experiences. And so that idea of putting ourselves into a scenario is highly attractive. And I think that's why, for decades now, there have been video games, and they've become more and more lifelike, and more and more realistic, and you create a story to them rather than just Mario jumps on top of some little Koopa's head. Now we want to have a story as to why this person is doing what they're doing, and you, you can either choose to be a villain or a, a good person as you go through the storyline. I think that is what is appealing to a lot of folks, and escape rooms are just providing that in a different light and in a scenario where it is live action. Why are we all of a sudden seeing this pop up of VR and people wanting to do virtual reality experiences? They want to be immersed in something that gives them that full sensation that you wouldn't necessarily appreciate in your real life. Nobody really wants to be locked into a room within a safe environment, a safe experience, mm -hmm. exactly. and still then having that feeling of success and, oh wow, I'm so smart, I figured out this crazy code. As we've gone through and as experiences have gotten more developed, we keep looking for more. So like you said, you know, it used to be that, oh, these video games where you had Pong and just hitting the ball back and forth on a screen, that was you know so revolutionary. But now as games and the virtual world has gotten more and more heightened, I feel like we almost ask for more of the real world as well. Most definitely. Like, I personally like it to my experience, um, and perhaps dating myself a little bit, but I played King's Quest way back in the day on like when floppy disks were still floppy. I love that idea that I was moving my person around this big map, and if I didn't interact with the wizard in the corner, it would change the game, and I wouldn't actually be able to succeed if I just moved past him onto the next screen. And then we came out with you know like games like Myst, where it was free form in the world and even more possibilities for us to do things wrong or right. And I think we've just taken that one step further. Escape rooms originally were created with those little flash games on your computer on the internet where you click on stuff all around the room. Click and point and just click on everything in the room, eventually you'll get there. Whereas now you actually have to put your brain on overdrive and get to do it with other people in the room at the same time so it's not just your brain. And the dynamics between the groups are so different and that I think contributes to the different experiences as well. Like I would imagine that people could come to the same escape room several times, bring different people and although of course they would know part of the room, they would have a very different experience just seeing how people figure things out and how the group interacts as well. I would imagine you really find out about 
your relationships with the people you're working with when you have to escape from a locked room. For sure. I. It's funny, you make me think of uh, one of my very good friends. I play Ultimate Frisbee, and one uh, one of my friends there has done, did our very first room twice. He did it almost when it first opened, and then he did it right before it closed. And he's one of the few people who's done any one of our rooms twice, because once you've done a room, you sort of know the puzzles. But he'd waited so long in between, and he was on the leaderboard. First place. Ended up being in third at the very end, once the room closed, but first place for, I'd say, seven or eight months. And it was a group of five of them, and they were highly successful, and they did great. Now, Ben's really smart at doing these escape rooms, but then he came and he did it with just one other person right before the room closed. And they got about three quarters of the way through the room before time was up, even though we'd already seen the room before. And it, it's exactly what you're talking about. Different people see things in different ways. Different group dynamics work differently together. I can think of the number of families who have come in and uh, the parents have, you know, led the kids through the room and done a great job of that. Whereas the other family comes through and the 10-year-old kid has got these great ideas, but the parents are saying, no, 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 it can't be that struggling on through while the kid's been feeding them the right answer. Yeah, you must, uh, as you're watching, you must want to be like, no, no, they've got it, listen to them. <laughs> it's uh, it's sometimes challenging letting people do their own thing in the room, mm -hmm. but it's always, it's always sort of fun to watch how brains work. This actually ties into the next question I was going to ask, particularly from the vantage point of somebody who's watching people do the escape rooms. For me, I think a big difference with immersive theater and immersive escapes is that I find when people go through immersive theater, they don't quite know what to do because the social script is suddenly so changed. They're not sitting in a dark room and not interacting at all. They're now being told, okay, you have to go and walk around the space and interact with the actors and people don't want to interfere with that. So they kind of hold back a lot of the time if they're not familiar with it. Whereas, as somebody who is more of an escape room enthusiast than a person who has been involved in an organization of escape rooms, I would imagine that sometimes people would go too much into it and start sort of like madly ripping through the space. So do you find that people do sort of go about the rooms in more of a hesitant way, or do they just sort of plow through the rooms and try to just like go into every corner? You raise an interesting point, and every once in a while people raise interesting points and a little light pops on in my head and an idea dawns upon me. So the background to the idea that just popped on while you were chatting there is that people come in to escape rooms in three different stages, I think. There is the novice who doesn't know, really know what they're getting into, and for the most part those people are fairly hesitant. Uh, they don't know what they're supposed to be doing and there's a reason why most people's first escape room experience especially with if it's all people who are new to them aren't successful when trying their first room um, because you aren't touching and moving and trying and thinking about everything as being a possible clue you're waiting to be told what to do next and if there isn't a very clear direct path in the escape room which some do have um, but they're usually more than novice style sized rooms. You end up sort of hitting constant roadblocks. So there is a large part on the escape room host to really explain that to groups. Um, we try to do as good a job as we can at that. Some people though are just hesitant people. And then I feel like there's the intermediate set of people who now figure out that you are supposed to touch and interact and try everything 
and that you know this anything could possibly mean something. I think the big thing behind that is that then these people are more likely to break things. These people are more likely to do the room in ways that weren't necessarily designed to be done because they're trying everything. And then I find that there is the advanced escape room people. And they've done enough rooms now that they know what should be and what shouldn't be done. And they know classically where to find puzzles, how puzzles are sort of organized, created. And so they are usually the least likely to break rooms. Or if they are thinking about trying something, they'll ask for if they're allowed to do it first kind of thing. I also find that these groups are the most likely to slip up and miss something that is out in the open and obvious in terms of a puzzle, but has been disguised as something that they shouldn't be touching or mm. something they shouldn't be using because it's so plain or because it's so normal. They won't, they'll be some of the people who won't necessarily explore so much and find that key that's hidden underneath the bath mat kind of thing. So in relation to immersive theater and interactive theater, I think it's much the same. I feel like even from when I was, you know, seven or eight, I had been told what a theater performance was about and that you go and you sit and you watch and people are there to entertain you. You're not part of the experience. And I feel like immersive theater itself, originally, you know, you'd go and you'd heckle at the playwright and you'd heckle at the people down in the round theater back in Shakespeare's day. We don't do that anymore. It's not civilized. It's not couth. But it's coming back. And we're starting to say, like, it's really cool to interact with your surroundings. It's really cool to interact with what's going on. And so we're creating plays that are, we're creating experiences that allow for people to do that. Mm -hmm. But people aren't fully ready for that yet. And they're not realizing that they're supposed to be interacting. And so I almost want to ask you, and I want to find out from you, do you find that there's those same three groups? You know, as you were saying that, I started thinking about my own experiences with immersive theatre and I found that that was very, very accurate. Although it depends, I suppose, on people's theatre backgrounds as well. So I would say that definitely if people have no experience with immersive theatre, they're so held back. I remember my first ever immersive theatre show that I took in and I walked in and I was expecting to you know, sit in the corner and be all safe and an actor comes up to me and starts just talking and I'm like, what do I do? I don't want to say the wrong thing and mess them up. So I just sort of stood there and I didn't know what to do at all. But then as I've taken in more immersive theatre shows and I've gotten more comfortable because I am now more aware of the process that actors go through, I know that they practice their improvisation and that they're ready for people to interact with them so because I think I know that they're more comfortable with it I become more comfortable with it as well and then I find myself now at the point of I think I'm probably intermediate advanced sort of teetering in between where I do feel much more comfortable moving around the space and interacting with the actors but part of me also has to realize, okay, this is still a theater performance, you know, there is still etiquette you have to follow. Don't get too lost, because then, of course, you get into the destruction that you talk about. I will say, though, theater students or people who have experience with theater, who haven't had experience with immersive theater, get into it very, very fast. I remember a show that I was involved with essentially the entire audience were all theatre students and some of them had seen immersive theatre, I don't think all of them had, 
but within five minutes, the entire group just got so into it. I was sitting outside of the show, sort of listening, and every so often you just hear like a burst of applause or somebody if something's you know, surprising would happen. You just hear an audible gasp from inside. So I definitely think that familiarity just plays a huge factor in it. And again, for the theater students, a lot of them were actors. So they are more in tune with what actors would be comfortable with. And so they had a better idea of how to navigate the space. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I come from a heavy sports background and I'm a big believer that we've got transferable skills. And so while we may not be directly attuned and aware of the way in which that we're supposed to be playing the sport or interacting in a social setting, we can take from our other experiences and inject that in. And so the more, the more well-rounded and whole-bodied a person that you are, the more you're able to put yourself into these new situations. For anybody who's maybe done immersive theater and hasn't done an escape room or vice versa, if you've done one, I think you would be able to jump rather quickly into the other and get a good experience out of it. So the final large world question that I always ask is where do you think immersive experiences are headed in the future? For sure. I think my personal views differ from a few people like I've heard a lot of you're going to have a lot of virtual reality experiences that really throw you into an experience and I've heard a lot of really elaborate really well designed set pieces and I think those are interesting elements but they aren't the whole story really what it comes down to is doing the fundamentals really well and you can have excellent flash and you can have excellent gimmick but if you've got an excellent storyline you've got excellent people centered around that storyline you can't fail and that's where I think the future is always going to be going is within the quality of the people that are delivering an experience that makes sense and it continues through a logical sequence that's you can you can sell that time and time again people want to come back and experience that time and time again at least I personally would. And so that's what I, where I believe it's going. And so what exactly that looks like, it'll change with the next new gimmick or the next new piece that we develop in terms of technology. There's currently many escape rooms out there right now that are doing fantastically and many that are doing terribly. And I think what it really comes down to for those ones is the people and how well they've thought through their experience. I think, like you said, to echo that, we're very drawn to stories and given the fact that Sherlock's escapes is doing quite well and comes from these classic stories that shows exactly what you said. If you have a good story, people will certainly engage with it. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. It was excellent, you know, yeah, just having a yarn with you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening today. If you liked this podcast, be sure to follow Single Thread Theatre on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram for more updates on our upcoming shows and more information on all things immersive theatre. 